when someone, anyone is your everything, it's too much pressure. It's not fair. You don't feel good about yourself. You're relying on someone else to make you feel good. And it's just a horrible spiral cycle. Hi there. I'm Kelly Tennant. Welcome to Ceremony Wellness, where we integrate modern healing and ancient wisdom. Learn from the most impactful voices in health, wellness, and spiritual development as we guide you through the latest healing remedies and alternatives to the traditional path. I'm here to support you as you break limiting patterns, embrace your wild, and let go of the noise. It's time for us to rise together. Babe, I love juicy shows. The show is so juicy. It's just dripping. Oh, juicy. <laughs> what? Okay. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Connor Moore is back. And we took a bunch of listener questions. We actually got through, I think there's six here. We talked about fear and stepping outside of your comfort zone, dealing with a partner who has a different sex drive with, than you do, dealing with depression. Yeah, depression and depression and sexuality. Yeah, and then Connor knows this very well that how to keep things hot as a single girl. Yeah, I'm, I've, I've, in my experience as a single woman, I kept it pretty spicy. You're very connected with your yoni. Yeah. Um, we talked about playfulness in the bedroom, and then what to do when dun 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 things don't go as planned. <laughs> Can that be a segment? I really like when that. shit gets sideways. When shit gets sideways, yeah. what do you do? Yeah, and that's because it's gonna happen if you're pushing the if you're pushing outside the uh, the realm of the familiar. Yes, shit can get a little wonky sometimes. And we like to push boundaries in this household, so we know how all these things go. So yep. we share our hot takes and personal experiences with you. Um, but this is a really great episode, and we're super excited to be back together and having this conversation with you guys. So yeah. Uh, before we get into this, if you have not left a review for Ceremony Wellness, go Do on it. to five stars. Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review. And if you send me a screenshot before you submit it, I will send you a present. So get in there, get on that. I have lots of things to give away. Yep. And that's all I'm I got. I'm sending you locks of my hair. And Connor, I will be cutting off pieces of his mustache and mm -hmm. enclosing them in an envelope for you. Yeah, I, I smudge this mustache every day. It's got a lot of, <laughs> lot, a lot, it was actually blessed by a shaman as well. Yes, that good juju. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> All right, guys, enjoy this episode. All right, see daddy, we got lots of questions up in this bitch. Oh yeah, well, you ready? that's what I'm here for. That's right. I feel like you're more the expert and I'm just like the feelings guru. I don't know. After looking through these questions, I feel like these are more up your alley than mine, but I'll chip in where I can. You know, I like this though is because you work with so many w women in your program. And so I feel like these are questions or concepts that you deal with regularly. I have heard, you have heard. some of these questions before. Yeah. All right. The first one, how to deal with a partner who has a different sex drive than you. She feels rejected when she initiates it. And then she resents him when it's always his choice. And so he comes to her and she's like, well, this is the one time I'm not in the mood. What to do with this, Connor? Well, the first thing I would say is um, if you're talking to us about it before you've talked to him about it, you should probably talk to him about it. As simple as that is, and that's not to negate the question, but it's, you know, you can ask random strangers from the inter internet or you could talk to your partner about it. It's, right, but how do you broach this subject with yeah, your partner, specifically the, when it's a that's man? That's the question, right? Is like, how do you communicate this? Mm -hmm. Um there's a lot of context needed for this too. And like how long they've been together and what's going on. 
what do you think? Here's what I would say. Connor and I are living this. So I think we can speak from our own experience. And we talked a little bit about this on, on your show, right? Probably. Um, a few times, I done think. done so many shows. I just done I lose so track. many shows. I know. We talk about sex so much. Here's the thing. I definitely have more of a sex drive and I like to have sex more often. Um, I think you're more of like a quality over quantity kind of person. And I like the quality, yeah, but that I, makes sense. I definitely am like more driven sexually. Um, and you have found that you're actually a lot more... Um, productive and clear headed when you're not having as much sex. Well, sex is like the canary in the coal mine for me, my sex drive. And it's like, it's the thing that sex and sleep, well, they go hand in hand, first of all. But it's, if that's not, if I don't feel like my sex drive is right, that means that other stuff isn't going right. Mm -hmm. That means I'm not sleeping well. It means I'm not, you know, in alignment with my soul's journey. It could mean a lot of things, <laughs> but it, it, it is one of those things where it's, I have to communicate that because it's not you. It's not mm -hmm. like your fault. It's just, that's, that's where I, I use that as kind of a throttle for my life in a lot of ways. And that happened through some like mindful sexuality practices years ago. And it's, it's, it's kind of my thing. And I, I, I like that, but it's not, it, the most important thing for me to understand is that it's not your Right. It's not and your fault. You didn't do anything wrong. That's something we've had to talk through a lot because I have felt rejected many times with you because I am someone who is very touchy. Um, touch is definitely my love language. And I really feel disconnected from you when we're not having sex enough. And it really drives everything I do because when I feel connected sexually with you or with myself, then my whole life is great. Like I can operate so beautifully from that space. But when that is off, I find like you in a different way, I'm not operating the way I want to. I don't feel good about myself. I feel disconnected from you. We fight more. It's like a whole thing. So what I would say is like you said, talk to your partner, go to your partner and say, look, without emotion, let's just talk about this without me crying and you getting defensive <laughs> and like, what do you mean? I don't want to have sex enough. Blah. It's like, here are the facts. I like to have sex a lot. You don't want to have sex as much. You value X, Y, and Z, and I value these things. Where can we meet in the middle and how can we understand each other? Because what I find with you, and this isn't even just in this scenario, but it's like, when you and I don't understand where the other person is coming from, yeah. that's where we miss each other. And when we sit down and have very pragmatic, just honest conversations, it's like, oh, now I see what you're saying. And it's not about being offended or feeling like you did something wrong because everyone operates differently. It's asking Connor, where are you coming from? Why do you feel this way? Here's why I feel this way. How can we work together? And I think that we have found sort of a good groove after having those conversations. Yeah. And, it, but it also, the, like I said, that came from me questioning my like sexual practices a long ago. So I had answers for you. And I think a lot of people don't have the answers. So it is an intim that's an intimidating situation to even put yourself in because you don't have the answers for someone's questions like that. So you got to understand that you're probably going to be in a state of discovery with your partner in in understanding why that is, mm -hmm. you know, and where that's coming from and how you can go about it. Like I don't I don't have a problem with you like getting yourself off, you know? Right. It's like if that's if you need and if I'm if I'm in the middle of something or I'm not really present for it. I, like you said quality over quantity is definitely 
Accurate. Well, and I think too, like you don't like to have morning sex. I love morning sex and that's something we just don't do. Um, and I've gotten to a point where I realize, like if I initiate in the morning, you are not going to be into it. Period. I like, am sometimes just highly variable. Very rarely. Yeah. So for me, it's like, now I know that. And if I want to masturbate the- in the morning, I will, which often, almost all the time when I masturbate, it's in the morning or like early afternoon because yeah. that's when I'm like really feeling it. Um, and so I know that that's not for you. And so then I adjust kind of my timing and knowing like he'll be in the mood at this time. Um, and just being more open to doing things differently or how to work together in it. Well, it also is a, it's a question of like presence too. Cause if I'm, if I'm in the middle of something else, it just ends up being like a big diversion from where I, what if I'm in the middle of something versus if I'm not, if I have nothing going on, if it's well, like, a sun, like, like it's Sunday right now, we're recording this like this afternoon, don't have a lot of plans. Yeah. Like it would be totally fine. But if it's I'm in the middle of like editing something or doing work or like it, my mind isn't there, then it's like, well, I think that's, it, speaks, that's where the resentment comes from. That speaks to a larger issue though, too, is I think women need to understand that men are much more one track minded. And so <laughs> you can't, and I've learned this with you. I just never thought about it, but it makes sense. Like if I interrupt you and I'm, even if it's sending sexy texts or doing the thing, and if it's interrupting the middle of when you're working on something, you are annoyed and you can't focus on both where I can totally focus on both. It doesn't bother me. I'm like, this is amazing. So I think as, as women, um, understanding that that's a male trait and a male characteristic of being more one track minded, Mm -hmm. it's like, you have to sort of take the pressure off a little bit because what we take personally is not about us. It's your inability to think about two things at once. <laughs> well, pressure is a pressure is a good word too. Yeah. Cause when you feel pressured, it doesn't, it's not nearly as fun. Yeah. It doesn't matter how, and it doesn't matter how, you know, fun it is on paper. If there's pressure involved, it just doesn't really resonate in the same way. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think, I think that speaks to you as well. Even when we talk about sex toys and the fact that I have, have not gotten off just to um, penetrative sex, having sex toys, a part of the equation, I feel like has taken the pressure off of you a little bit. Yeah. It's fun. It's just, yeah. a, it's adds some novelty too. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's, that's a good thing too, is like when you're, when you're with a partner and trying different things out, taking pressure off and just exploring and having fun and not forcing the other person to like make something happen or do something for you and really owning that for yourself, I think can really help both parties not feel like, Oh, I have to accomplish this thing in this task, but I can just like play and there's no end goal. Well, and I think also getting in this situation is getting clear on like what you really want because sex is, is an act for sure. But it's like, do you really, do you not feel desired? Do you not feel like, what do you miss? What are you not feeling? And maybe there's other ways to receive that feeling that aren't intercourse related. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of ways you can go about doing this whole mm-hmm. situation. And I would love for this person who's listening right now, I'm hoping uh, to have the conversation and then follow up, shoot mm-hmm. us a DM, let us know yeah. how it went. And then, and then really just setting a space, but you've got to, to have that conversation to get back to the, the, the pragmatic conversation having skills you've got to like set set the time and the space to have mm-hmm. a long conversation where you're not distracted where you're super present with each other where you can have a vulnerable conversation that's not um that's not forced yeah you know it's like but you you do ha- kind of have to like nudge it in that direction like hey we need to talk about this and i know it's going to be 
triggering in some ways, I'm sure. But at the same time, it's necessary and it's it's a relationship builder because then when you're on the same page with that stuff, it becomes really, really helpful to then build off of a foundation that you've built of communication. Well, and I, I talk to people about this a lot and you and I have been, you know, kind of up and down and going through our own stuff the last month or so. And I was actually texting with Rachel the other day and I, and I was like, yeah, you know, we're just like in the middle of this transition, we're figuring things out. And I said, you know what I'm so grateful for though, is the fact that we have had some really, really difficult conversations and things have been like kind of unsettling in ways like, oh man, this is not enjoyable. But then when we get on the other side of it, I feel so much closer to you. And I feel like our relationship is a million times better because of it. Well, we also you know, we, that was the cost of doing business for do, doing the relationship the way we did. Right. I don't think we, either one of us were delusional about the amount of or this, the situation we were putting ourselves in and that it was going to require mm-hmm. more from us as far as intentional conversations and, and getting on the same page than most relationships at the same stage, mm-hmm. you know, but that I think you have to also understand like, yeah, what are you trying to create with the relationship and what is the the cost of doing business for that. Mm-hmm. I like guess being really honest with yourself about that, which is not fun. Yeah. And I think you were talking a little bit about desire and, um, that's something that I really struggle with is if I'm not feeling desired or I'm not feeling chosen. And so I've been very vocal with you about that and saying, I just don't feel desired right now, or I don't feel chosen. And that's my own stuff. That's not yours to fix or yours. That's not your fault. Yeah. But I think what we both have done a good job of is saying, I'm feeling this way. It's not your fault. I'm not mad at you. But when this happens, it makes this thing come up inside of me. Yeah. I think having the words to explain that is really helpful for your partner and yourself. Can you explain a little bit more about taking responsibility for your own feelings, not putting that on someone else, but then looping them into your process? Well, I think what you brought up something really important, which is language. And I think we were at Mark Groves, that Mark Groves event, right? And what did that woman say? She said something. Oh, she said, uh, she was talking about, you know, getting rid of people in her life. Those who just really like their, their perspective, their thoughts, their opinions on her way of being, she was going through a big shift, really was no longer serving her. Mm -hmm. Right. And I was like, just thinking about that statement. And I'm, I was just kind of reflecting on like in the nineties or the early, early two thousands, like that wasn't really a statement, right? So the power of language is really important. So if you're doing your own kind of work, when you're reading books that resonate with you, I think that books, podcasts, like it gives you the tools of language, which are very important, um, to be able to articulate what's going on. Cause you're essentially taking feelings, emotions, experiences, which transcend language, which are much bigger than language and having to put them into this clumsy little word situation. Right. And that was one of the things my third ayahuasca ceremony, I was laughing because I was, I was thinking about how I had to, I was going to try to turn this incredible experience into human language. And I was like, that just doesn't make any fucking sense. Like that's like putting a square peg in a round hole, but at the end of the day, like discussing your emotions is a clumsy, clumsy fucking process. It is like putting a square peg in a round hole. So if you can have the ability, journaling is a big part of this. I know I'm kind of going down sidetrack here, but journaling your thoughts and emotions out in an unfiltered way gives you the ability to see what you, what you're really thinking. Um, in a very refined setting with no judgment. And then you can, you're, you're practice, essentially practicing having conversations. Like, what do you need to say here? And in doing that, 
um, you get more and more context on your own life experience and your own feelings and your own emotions and what's really going on. And then you can bring a more honest version of your emotions to your partner that they can actually digest versus word vomiting on somebody and expecting them to get it and then being pissed because they don't understand. And you're like, well, you're speaking your own language. You're not, you're not empathetically connecting with somebody. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I answered your question. Um, <laughs> I kind of but forget. language is important. Um, I forget. Oh, taking responsibility for your own stuff and yes. being able to explain to your partner, this is what I'm feeling. I'm not mad at you. It's not your fault, but this is what's coming up for me so that you can loop them into your process yeah. so that there's understanding across the board. Yeah. So outside of the language piece, and, and we talked about the, the empathetic connection, right? Mm-hmm. So you've got to understand, and this is a big part of a partnership, is understanding what that person's life experience has set them up to understand. Like if you really want your partner to understand, like they're going to do their best to get what you're saying, but you've got to, you've got to use communication styles that, that, that connect with them, right. And make it relatable to them. This is just any conversation in any, any way. Like empathy is so fucking important because when you can, you can speak to someone in their language and even if it means watering it down, a little bit from your perspective so they can wrap their wrap their mind around it and start to understand more and more. But you've got to kind of have an entry point of understanding what they can get, especially with men and women. This is a big, this is a big deal. I think this is why as funny as this is like lesbian relationships move so faster because women understand how to communicate with women and gay men too. It's like they, it's a lot easier for them to like get each other. Right. Mm -hmm. You can just think about how much different those relationships can be than heteronormative relationships. Cause we have this like huge bridge to cross, which is how the fuck do I get the opposite sex to understand my life experience and what I'm going through. Mm -hmm. So trying to be empathetic to that and, and really not saying this phrase is really challenging. You made me feel this way. Mm-hmm. Like you made me, you, you, you now are responsible for my feelings, which if we're talking about pressure, that's the worst. That's the hardest to deal with. Cause like, Oh, now, I mean, when I was single in my twenties, the biggest thing that I would say about not wanting to get in a relationship is I don't want to be responsible for somebody else's feelings. Like that was my statement. <laughs> so it's like that, that, that thing for guys a lot of times is like, Oh God, I'm responsible for this and this and all this other stuff that I have to do. And now I'm responsible for this person's emotions that I feel like are unpredictable and unwarranted. And it's much less logical because I don't know what your life experience is. So if you're telling me that I'm making you feel a certain way, that's hard versus I'm experiencing this feeling in this situation. And I wanted more, you're more sharing it than blaming Mm -hmm. and blame and responsibility are much different. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, that's a a great way to approach it. Yeah. I love that so much. Okay. So the next one is when you're going through depression, the first thing to go is sex drives. So she wants to know how to avoid the head spin and what to do when you aren't as horny as usual. Um, and I want to start with this because this is something that I experienced in chronic illness for 13 years, because along with being sick, I felt depressed, which I could pretty much guarantee anyone that's dealing with chronic illness or something very serious like this, um, has a similar experience. It is so hard to be in a relationship when you're feeling depressed. And I think that sex aside, being sick in general takes everything you have, all of your energy, all of your ability to process thoughts and emotions. And so often people with chronic illness are so sick they can't work and they can't hang out with their friends. And if you have a significant other, they become your everything. And I, 
I experienced this in my last relationship when I was really sick um, for five months right before I quit my job. I was at home with my boyfriend at the time. I couldn't see my friends. I couldn't be social. I rarely showered. I I mean, I couldn't do anything. I felt Gross. so sick. I was disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> Warranted, but I felt and yeah. probably smelled disgusting. Um, and for five months, I felt so depressed. I didn't know what to do. And of course, that's going to affect the relationship because not only was I not feeling great and not wanting to have sex, but I made him my everything. And when he's, when someone, anyone is your everything, it's too much pressure. It's not fair. You don't feel good about yourself. You're relying on someone else to make you feel good. And it's just like horrible spiral cycle. Mm -hmm. So I think that when you're going through depression or you're maybe just going through a period of time where you don't feel as good about yourself. A bit of a funk. Yeah. When you're in a funk, it's important to just acknowledge that that's where you are. And to know that it's not going to last forever. Taking steps to eat good food and get rest and uh, really connect with yourself. Um, And maybe this means that you need to go on antidepressants or some sort of medication. I totally support that when warranted and you feel like that's the right step to take. Um, I think that those are all steps you can take to help yourself through your depression but having the conversations like you and I were just talking about with your partner about where you are and what's happening is really important because it's going to come in waves. Oftentimes that's what depression does. It comes in waves and sometimes there's highs and lows and it's really tough to navigate and find that happy medium, but having conversations about where you are and why it's happening. So the other person doesn't feel like it's their fault. Maybe you're snipping at them because you don't feel good about yourself and they feel like it's their fault. And reality is just what you're going through. I think just having an open dialogue and sometimes (laughs) pushing the boundaries of where you feel comfortable. So every day I was in sweats. I felt so gross. I didn't want to shower. Of course, I'm not going to want to have sex. What if I made a different choice that day? And I was like, you know what? I want to fucking feel better. I'm going to go shower. I'm going to take these gross sweats off. I'm going to do my hair. Maybe I'm going to put some mascara on. I'm going to put on something cute. And I'm not only going to woo my partner, but I'm going to woo myself. Like I need to make that effort for something to happen. Yeah. Can you reread the question real quick? When you're going through depression, the first thing is to go is sex drive, how to avoid the head spin and what to do when you aren't as horny as usual. Yeah, I think, cause I think some people when they go through and this, uh, she doesn't explicitly say if she's in a relationship or not. Do you know if she is? She is. Okay. Um, for some people it's the opposite, right? With depression is that they would get more, they would use sex as an avoidance tool. Yeah. It just depends on what your kind of attachment style is and, and, and what your relationship with depression is. Um, but for you, the first thing that goes is sex drive. I think one is not judging yourself for having a little bit of a lull. And this depends on how long it's been, right? If it's been a couple of weeks, you're fine. If it's been six months, that's a different conversation completely. But what I've noticed with um, people that I'm working with, and this isn't necessarily directly working with sex, but one of the things that helps a ton is feeling like, uh, you're making progress in some way. And a lot of times making progress means being very honest with yourself about where you are and what's your, what your, I would say like what you're ignoring or overlooking or rationalizing in some way. And a lot of times in, in the program that I run, like you'll start 
moving in the right direction, taking responsibility for your shit, like taking ownership of whatever is in your life that you may have blamed other people for or whatever that is, like really just taking responsibility. Sex drive will come back when you feel like you're moving in a direction. That's how I am personally anyways. So when you feel like there's progress, and that's why I love Jordan Peterson's book, 12 Rules for Life, because it is very, it's like a step-by-step like practical guide to getting your shit together a little bit in a very, it's a very implementable that's even a word implementable way like even little things like standing tall with your shoulders back right and how that has how that affects like dopamine production like there's little things like that like cleaning your fucking room like making sure you're tidy like put wearing real clothes like you were talking about just doing things like that where it's like i feel like i'm putting my shit together a little Mm -hmm. bit just that little bit of progress can have a huge return in your life and and feeling like you're taking action and control of things that you do have control over um a lot of ways that'll that'll come back, but just dealing with it and maybe knowing that if you don't have a sex drive, it's because you're not supposed to have a sex drive right now. Right. Like that, that maybe that was a distraction, and now you're having to confront something that you were not really wanting to to look at, and that's okay. That's not that's not a that's not a problem. That's 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 a um, that's an indicator of where you need to maybe put some attention. I like that a lot. You know, the other thing that has uh, really helped me um, as I've kind of been in quite a few lulls, I guess, um, and funks the last few months as I've had some more self-realizations and we've gone through the somatic program together. And, um, I think that I've just been in this period of self-discovery. And so I, and I, I tend towards depression and anxiety anyway. So I think when I go down that rabbit hole, the last thing I want to do is have sex or touch myself. And something that Heike, our somatic therapist has taught me is that for me personally, it's almost forcing the self-pleasure in order to get myself back on track. And I have found that in my experience, when I am masturbating, that will like bring me out of a funk pretty quickly because I'm reconnected with my body. I'm grounded. I feel like the chaos sort of leaves with orgasm. Um, There's so much power in that. I think especially for women coming from that feminine energy, that grounded energy. So something that I have tried to do is when I'm in a funk and maybe I'm like crying and I'm feeling chaotic and I don't have an answer, it's getting back to self-pleasure and spending time with myself and having that orgasmic experience. And for whatever reason, my body just comes back and feels much more centered. And it's, it's almost the same feeling as journaling. I'm getting a lot out and I'm expressing myself. Um, and that brings me to uh, Plus One, because I know that's a company that we both love and we talk <laughs> about all the time. And I utilize my air pulsing arouser um, so often when I'm masturbating. And I love what this company has done. And it's so, so aligned with what we were just talking about. They want people to feel empowered in their sex lives. And whether it's by them, by yourself or with a partner, being able to be comfortable, taking the pressure off, being playful and fun and exploring I think that can help you get out of these dark kind of spiral feelings. Um, And I think that I love that pleasure is acceptable and actually celebrated with plus one. And that's what we want to do is we want people to experience incredible orgasms by themselves with their partners to celebrate that experience and to know that sex is a part of mental health. And I think that's why we get so many questions is like people are struggling And so often it comes back to 
sexual health, sexual education, access, uh, connection. And Plus One has done such a nice job of creating a space where you can feel very empowered and really positive about your experience. I know you love them too. Yeah, they're rad. Yeah, they're rad. So if you guys go to myplusone.com, you can see where they sell all of their products. And also I gave the vibrator out to a bunch of our speakers at Ceremony Wellness Live. And Got some good I've feedback. gotten some rave reviews, just saying. I like their, uh, as, as odd as this is, like the, their packaging and their like way of going about it isn't yeah. like hyper gross. Yeah. It's cool. It's not like some chick bending over on the, on the, on the box. It's, it's no. like a cool, like little party favor almost looks like type of thing. And it's, it, it it's rad. Yeah, they, yeah. Do, they do a really good job of yeah. keeping it like, uh, I would say, accessible and relatable as opposed to hyper like it doesn't look like you're buying a box of like a porn toy. Uh -huh. yeah. yeah. So I think for any women that are out there that feel similar to what I was just describing, spending time with yourself and getting into a regular self-pleasure practice, I think can really not only create, you know, different chemicals in your brain that make you feel good, but it also just allows you to be connected with your body. And as women, yeah. that's one of our biggest issues. Well, it's a nice gateway to addressing shame too. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Where can you get plus one stuff at? I just said that. Go to myplusone.com oh. and you can find where to buy them. Well, okay. Guys, Connor doesn't listen to me when I talk. I listen, but you're Perfect supposed to say example. it twice. Jeez. There you go. Get it together. He's my uh, podcast coach. Okay. <laughs> I love this next question. Keeping things hot as a single girl. I know we so often talk to couples and I have so many couples that send us messages, but I think this is an amazing question. So thank you for sending this in. She's wanting to know how to feel sexy during times when you're not actually having sex with someone else. Um, Ooh, as, a, as a single lady. All my single ladies. All my single ladies. <laughs> um, I've never been a single woman, so you haven't. No, not oh. that I, not that I'm aware of. Not okay. in this life, anyways. Okay, well, I'll take this first, and then you can address it maybe okay. for all the okay. gentlemen I'll, I'll, listening. I'll, I'll pop in as needed. I love this question. I actually think that this is an amazing place to be because this is when you get to really connect with yourself and explore with yourself and figure out what you want. Yeah. Um, and I'm gonna share something that. I've never said, I don't think I've ever even said to you. So this is a little awesome. interesting. Um, so something that I did a couple weeks ago and I was feeling a lot of shame and really weird, like leading up to it. But for whatever reason, I felt the need to do this. And I just think that it can be really helpful. We're in a relationship, obviously this can apply to anybody, but I really like this. So Usually I just lay in bed and masturbate for whatever reason. The other day I stood in front of the mirror in the bathroom and was touching myself. And I was looking at myself in the mirror, like looking in my own eyes. And I was like, I was like, damn, you're hot. Like I, I felt <laughs> so sexy. I know that sounds so weird. I don't know. That's Maybe other weird. people have That's done this, but I, I think so often we rely on someone else to make us feel good. Like, I really want you to desire me. I want you to tell me I'm sexy yeah. and how badly you want me. But what if I did that with myself? I stood in front of the mirror and I said all the things to myself that I wanted you to say. I felt so hot. I had an amazing orgasm. I was just so connected with myself. And I thought it was really interesting that I had so much shame going into that and feeling bad about looking at myself in pleasure and feeling like that was wrong. So I would say 
standing naked in front of a mirror, touching yourself. <laughs> and maybe it's not even touching your clit. Maybe it's just touching your boobs and touching your neck and touching your arms. I talk a lot about doing this in a bath when you're needing to be connected with yourself and wanting to feel sexy. One of my go-tos is to lay in a bath with candles lit, music playing, sage, and just like touching my arms and feeling my body and feeling super present and connected. I feel amazing. And I think that when you're single, it's this time to be in relationship with yourself and it's a beautiful space to be and connecting with your own body and working through some of that shame or working through giving yourself what you want, learning to ask for what you want. Those are all things that you can do on your own. I can't believe I just said that on the show. Oh my wow. God. Go <sighs> for it. Um, okay. Uh, let's see. What else is there? If you're, so you're single and you're out and you want to feel sexy, I think one thing you can do if you're dating and you're single and going on dates is to, um, is to start to, I actually gave somebody this advice the other day, one of my clients, I was talking about just dating. I was like, find, there's like these things that are kind of off limits to bring up on first dates or second dates or third dates. Um, and I think it's really cool and really fun to start to get really comfortable, especially if sex is off the table and you take off all those ex expectations, it's just, is to start to get really, um, start to hone in your ability to say the things that you probably wouldn't normally say, like roll the dice. And that's one thing that's cool about dating apps too, is because there's so much volume, mm -hmm. like there's a lot of people, you, you know, you can go out whenever you want, um, is to start to just like roll the dice a little bit and start to learn how to share things more vulnerably that are a little bit more outside of your comfort zone. Uh, and just to see how it goes. Can you give an example? Oh, I mean, it's so, it's so individual, like even telling like stories about past relationships or what your, what your likes are, wants are just something, like there's, everybody has these little things that they don't really share with other people early on. And I think, yeah, but I think we are taught as women don't share too much. Like there's this exactly. line. That's so what what's saying. the line? I, that's why I'm asking you for find, an You got to find your own line. Okay. Like what, like what's something you wouldn't share on a first date? I mean, I shared it all with you on our first date. So well, that's different though. You were talking for like a month up to, up to that point. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't talk about past relationships. I wouldn't talk about like my sexual desires. I wouldn't talk about like if I, I guess I have, I'm always on like the fast track to marriage. So I always like kids and blah, blah, blah. Here's what I want to do <laughs> I mean, with that, my that's, career. That's, that's different. Like the sexual desires, right? Like that's yeah. not something that women talk about a lot on first dates. Like just no. putting that out there and putting, putting the dude in like a, a, a interesting situation. It's just fun. It's fun to say things that like, for me, that was, I would talk about psychedelics on the, on, on first dates and stuff. Mm -hmm. And just like things that would just kind of would, would change it up a little bit and make it like a, an incredibly novel conversation or just throw something out there and see what somebody's response would be. Uh, cause a lot of times they'll start sharing things too. And, and it creates a fun dynamic that's Test different. Yeah. It's just, it's, 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 okay. it, it gives other people permission to share too. And a lot of times guys are pretty anxious on dates and like, don't want to, they want to impress somebody and they're kind of in like performance mode. So it, it just kind of breaks through that and it can be, uh, really sexy without sex being involved because it's just kind of this like fun banterish type conversations. And it's also practice for having those kind of conversations with somebody that you actually want mm -hmm. to have, you know, relations with. Mm -hmm. I like that. Just getting out there, just like having some weird combos. It's fun. Can I get a response to me and my story about being in the mirror? Uh, that doesn't, I, I'm actually surprised you haven't done that until now. Hmm. Like it wasn't like I was surprised. I thought it was kind of funny, but it wasn't, it wasn't, I mean, I, I used to do that when I was young. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Okay. I need to know if you guys have done that, 
please message me because I feel like <laughs> I just need to know other people are either doing this or have done it or haven't and want to just I've actually I've I've I coached women to do that yeah. for themselves well way to go thanks for yeah. not telling me well I didn't know I thought like I said I assumed that you had done that already Jeez, Connor okay how do you enter and stay in a pl- enter how do you enter how do you enter Connor oh, how do you enter and stay in a playfulness mindset I'm going to let you start with this. A playfulness mindset? Yeah. In what context? Just in life in general? Um, This is in regards to sex and keeping things hot. We just and only talk about sex now? Well, I asked people, <laughs> if this was a how do you keep things hot kind of conversation. Oh, so these are the questions I got. Oh, okay. You Sorry, just I didn't brought me in here without context. That, yeah. Um, So keeping things playful. I think one, the, the easiest answer to that is just not being afraid to like laugh and try different things. Like just try something different just for the sake of it, but not take, every, sex becomes so serious. It's like it can be fun and playful and then it's like sex and it's serious and we're going to like do it you know but uh laughing god i remember like one of this is years ago one of the first times i had sex and just like laughed the whole time because it was just absurd mm-hmm. like how it all like kind of went down it was just fun it just was fun and it wasn't like it was like the best sex ever and it wasn't whatever but it was like it was just funny and fun and, and enjoyable and that was it was weird for me in that situation because I was like, oh, you can like, this is like way different and it's not how one has sex all the time, but mm-hmm. we were just like laughing the whole time. Mm-hmm. And this was like, again, this was years ago, but I was like, it was a great example for me in my like exploration phase of being like, oh, this is, this, you don't have to take this so seriously. And I think it's more or less the, not like pragmatic ways you can go do it. It's, like, it's just, it's an intention going into it. Mm-hmm. Like, let's just giggle here. And I think eating uh, like five milligrams of edible weed it makes me giggle all the time. Yeah. And uh, so that always helps, but it's, yeah, it's just, it's, it's more an intention to going in there just feeling light and not like there's a lot of pressure. Cause there, again, we keep coming around to pressure, but there is a lot of pressure sexually and it's like, Oh, this is a super vulnerable situation and um, you got to perform in a certain way, but the intention to just laugh and have a good time with it is funny and trying new things and just taking the pressure off of new stuff uh, add some novelty, but it could also just not work out. And if, if, if sexual things don't work out and like, it just is kind of a clumsy, cumbersome clusterfuck, uh, that's funny. Mm-hmm. That's not upsetting. It's not sad. It's not embarrassing. It's funny. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's, it's, it's a story you'll probably tell in your relationship going, you know, whatever, or, or in future relationships about this crazy weird thing that happened, but it's just, it doesn't have to be that serious, but if you take a serious mindset into it, like it's a job, uh, that definitely uh, dampens the the playfulness for sure. Yeah, I think it's also playfulness in in the bedroom is also a reflection of how you're living your life. And this is something that I'm grateful to be with you because you're definitely more playful and lighthearted than I am. I take things much more seriously and I'm a little I'm a more- Because I'm a puppy, yes. a puppy human. Yeah, I have two puppies in my house. And, um, Dutch is more mature than me. We know. And <laughs> hi baby. You guys, he sits under our table the whole time we, re- we record and he just goes back and forth because he's super high maintenance and needs all the love and just wants all the, the snuggles. And it's really cute. Um, and he moves the chairs, which is very loud. <laughs> um, it's a reflection of how you're living your life. So for me, it's like I go in and I'm more serious and controlling and I've learned how to be more playful and to laugh and not take things as seriously. And I think that when you're in a relationship with someone you can banter with, which we banter a lot and give each other shit and laugh and poke at each other and not take it personally. And this is something I'm still working on because you poke at me a lot and I do take it personally and it's kind of hard. Um, (laughs) sorry. 
it's okay. But I'm learning how to, um, understand when you're just joking and being playful and, and that's fun. And I think if you can integrate that into the bedroom and again, taking pressure off of you and your partner for not having an end goal, I think allows for more playfulness because not everyone is always going to come and not come the way they want to. And I think that if you take that off the table and just start having fun and touching each other and seeing what it feels like and seeing where it leads, maybe it just leads to a blowjob. Maybe it leads to like the best sex of your life for both of you. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Just enjoy being present in the moment and being playful and trying different things. And again, not feeling shame or like stupid for that. Yeah, I used to get in trouble um, in my sexual relationships because I would always laugh after I came. Like it's just like it's like my normal response. I still do that to this day. Mm-hmm. And but, then you yawn. Yeah, um, <laughs> but it was like I think the people thought I was like laughing at them or something. Oh my <laughs> I was like no, it's like this is just it's just funny. You know, it's yeah. like it's I don't I just always I've had that attitude, so it's hard for me to like, say how do you put that into your world. It's like I, I don't I had to like. Not, mm-hmm. I just not about to get laughing on the inside. Yeah, because it was just yeah. It's if people take themselves so seriously in that scenario, but it's 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 funny. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a fun and funny situation. So here here's a different scenario, and I think this is something that we've experienced, and uh, it is this does take things to a more serious place sometimes. What to do when things don't go as planned? When you're trying something new, or you're on different pages than your partner? Uh, laugh about it, like we just said. It's funny. Okay, it's, it's, but it's that happened to us sex. last weekend, and we did not laugh about it. It turned; it was more serious, and it was a more serious conversation. Uh, yeah, true, true. Not we both didn't get what we wanted, and we were both frustrated, and it didn't turn out the way we wanted it to. Well, that because again, we put too much pressure on the situation. Right. That's what it was. It was there just was like too much buildup, too much pressure. Yeah, it, it, was it like became a thing it rather became than a thing fun. Versus like there was no spontaneity in it anymore, which is what I wanted. But it wasn't, that wasn't, yeah. So it became a really challenging situation for both people, for sure. Mm-hmm. So what if one person wants to do something and the other doesn't? What do you do? <laughs> if one person, um, that totally depends on what it is. Mm-hmm. Like what, like, like, give me an example that is it that that because that could be like anal another person's like I hate it another person's like I love it it's like well you, you can't harm somebody like well, that's, what that, if that could be super painful I'll, okay I'll give people. more context I'm trying to use our example without saying what it is because I'm not going there today okay uh, this is something both of us want okay but that night you want it and I don't okay okay what do you do in that scenario oh, when both parties God. have made their desires clear um Hmm. Somebody's got, I mean, somebody's got to just bite the bullet and just not, I think whichever one <laughs> do the least amount of harm possible, whichever one that is. And, and that's not like the super woke answer, but at the end of the day, it's like, just do as little harm as possible in those situations when they come up. I think that if someone says that they don't want that, it should not happen. Yeah. If they, they, you got to honor the no in yes. the whole situation. And I think honoring. Which is the same, I think the same thing is like that causes the, the least amount of damage. Right. Yes. That's and what I was getting can, to. You gotta, but you got to talk about it after. You can't just like not talk about it afterwards. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I think that what gets difficult, and I'm using us as an example because I, I don't know. I don't know what else to do here. But 
you and I both like to dictate things and be the ones to make decisions and drive things. And we, neither of us do well when we don't really get our way. And we, we feel like it was unfair or we didn't get to do it how we wanted it. All of the above. I think that there has to be a conversation before moving forward with something, with something, especially if it's new or different. And there has to be an understanding before you ever get into the bedroom of if you and I are not on the same page, this is not going to happen. And no one's feelings are going to get hurt because eventually it will probably happen again. The likelihood, because both of you want that it's going to happen, but doing it in that scenario and forcing something, um, either party forcing themselves to do something that they don't personally want to do at that time only sets you up for failure. And then it takes away from future possibilities of having what you want. Well, yeah, I think that, but again, it depends. It's, it's, this is so dependent on the situation. And I think if a person is apprehensive about it and curious, it, somebody just has to be able to say, just to, to pull the ripcord and stop. Mm-hmm. And that's the person who's in the most, like the, the least advantageous position there. Mm-hmm. And you can try something and be nervous about it. That was like previously a no, because where did no's come from? Right. And I, I'm not talking, I'm not talking about consent here. This isn't, this isn't a consent conversation. This is like, Oh, it, it's, it's like, can you trust your partner to be like, Hey, let me, let's try something new. If you don't like it, let me know. You can stop the whole thing. You can botch this whole thing in two seconds. Mm-hmm. So there's a, you got, if someone's unwilling to explore, um, and that's the problem. If you're that, if you feel like you're being, uh, re- God, this is like a, such a challenging question. Mm-hmm. If you're being like resistant to trying new things and you want to change that about yourself, you need to feel empowered to say no when it gets uncomfortable, but you also have to take responsibility for putting yourself outside of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. If that's something that you want to explore in a relationship. So it's, it is a balance. It's not something you can't just keep saying no to everything and then expect that to be fulfilling for the other person. But you, you need, you, you've got to, it's again, this is an empathy conversation. Mm-hmm. So it's, you understand where they're coming from and what their intentions are with whatever this scenario may be. And then, and then, I mean, this could be a big thing with like BDSM is another one like that, right? Where it's, that's a, like, it puts people in a really challenging position and, and really pushes a lot of buttons, but there's always a consent conversation where it's like, this person has the ability to say, no, stop pineapple, whatever it is. And I think that's giving someone, if once someone knows they have the, the power to stop whatever's going on, it, it does, it, it, I think it creates a lot more freedom too. And that's, a, that's, a, but that takes a lot of conversations and, and, and the willingness on someone's on, on, on the more reluctant person's part to explore a little bit. I also think that if you're the person who wanted something and you didn't get that, to make sure that your person feels safe and that they're not being shamed or judged for not wanting to do it at that yeah, time. Yeah, that's not going to do anybody any favors. No, like really holding them and being like, I totally understand. That's difficult. Like, I've got you. It's okay. I think that's such an important aspect of all of this because if, you're, if your person is putting themselves out there and trying something new and they freak out and then you shame them or you're like, I didn't get what I wanted, you're never going to have the things that you want together. So I think that is a huge, like put a bow on it at the end and be like, you know what? I totally understand that was hard for you or this is different different or difficult. 
or whatever that's bringing up for you, I hear that and we will work through this. Yeah. And the person who's pushing the boundaries has to like take it in stride too. Mm -hmm. That's important. Yeah. Not throwing somebody into like a swingers club on day one. Yeah, don't do that. (laughs) Also, there's a basement with a bunch of old people fucking each other in it. Like, what is happening? I don't know. It's too much. I mean, and I was that way. I I was the one who was uh, apprehensive and got like thrown into shit that I wasn't ready for and like fucking lost my mind. It was terrible. It was like one of the worst experiences of my entire life. And Mm -hmm. I I don't want to do that to somebody else. Mm -hmm. But it's hard if you're always the one pushing boundaries and you've never been on the receiving end to really get what someone else is going through. Mm -hmm. The last thing is vague, but I do really like this because I think we can take it a lot of different ways. I love taking it a lot of different ways. Yeah. (laughs) This person is asking about what to do when they feel like they're suppressing things from a place of fear. So this could really be anything, but what is your take? Uh, understand where it's coming from. I guess the number one thing is like just tracking it down really, whether talking or journaling or or hiring a coach to help you explore that. Cause that's one thing that people that are good coaches do in a helping relationship is help you understand. I think it's my philosophy on this is that you have a lot more capacity for compassion for yourself. If you can understand why you feel that way in the first place, and maybe it's, you know, something that was instilled in you by some, by your parents or your religious upbringing or whatever. There's so many ways that that fear can kind of wiggle its way into our life. And not to say fear is a healthy emotion, as healthy as joy or any other emotion. It's it's important. Um, so you can't say that fear is always a problem, but more or less your relationship with fear is the problem. So you got to understand if you're repressing something or feeling usually there's a, a shame boundary there, right? Like some misplaced shame around whatever that is. Um, so you've got to really get in there and understand where it's coming from. And that, that there's a lot of different practices that can, that can get you there, but it takes time and, and effort and, and developing the skill of being honest with yourself, mm-hmm. which is not an easy, easy thing to do. It's not something we're inherently good at. Like we love confirmation bias and we like to believe that our beliefs and opinions are facts. And that's, that's something that we do as that's, that's human nature. So you have to kind of combat your own human nature in order to get, gain the capacity of being honest with yourself and then investigate where that shit comes from. And from there you can then move forward. You can start to develop compassion for yourself. But if you're just blanket, like trying to be like, Oh, like compassionate for yourself without any understanding, I think that's somewhat delusional. Mm-hmm. I like that you said, you know, getting to the, well, you didn't say this, but I heard it this way. Now I'm going to say it this way, like getting to your truth. Um, we so often don't want to see our own truth. It's very scary. And I think I've been talking about this the last few weeks is this idea of living in the lie. Do you want to live in the lie or do you want to step into the truth? And I think so often we don't even know we're living in the lie. It's the people pleasing. It's living for other people. It's um, doing what we think we're supposed to do because that's what we were taught. And our mom and dad said, that's how the world works. And that's what we do. And we haven't questioned it because we didn't know we were allowed to. And so you stay in this box of lies and it's really scary to take a step out of that because there's a lot of fear out there. Maybe there's rejection, maybe there's shame and limiting beliefs, but what else is outside of that box is your truth and is your pleasure and is your joy. So we can suppress all these feelings we have and stay inside the lie. But if we took the leap and just stepped outside of that and came from a place of expansion and curiosity, there's so much more out there for us. And your truth is not inside the box. And so I think the biggest thing is to get clear on why you feel like you're being held back or why you feel like you can't take that step. 
like you said, getting to the root of that and then understanding what it is that you want out of your life. Being really honest. I had an hour call with one of my closest friends a week ago and she is crying and all these things and trying to figure out what to do with her career and all this stuff. It took her 55 minutes to admit to me what she actually wanted to do with her life. She was so scared to say it out loud because she felt stupid and couldn't believe that she wanted to do this thing. So she's been living this lie, trying to do all these things and nothing's working. No one's showing up to her events. Um, She's not booking new clients. She can't figure out why things aren't working. And after 55 minutes, she said, I want to do this. I was like, well, you're not doing anything close to that. What's going on? And she was like, I'm so scared to admit that this is what I want to do with my life. She took that step outside the box, admitted what she actually wanted. And the relief in her voice when she just was honest was so amazing And I think that's what all of us are just waiting for and longing for is an honesty with ourselves so that we can step out into the world and have what we want. Yeah. Well, I mean, that that takes curiosity too. Mm -hmm. It's like there's things outside of your boundaries of experience that you haven't, haven't, don't have any context on that you really enjoy. And you've got to play with that a little bit. Mm -hmm. So somewhere that we love to go to find our own truth is Zoltara in Costa Rica. (laughs) Yeah. You want to tell everyone about um, the so realness yeah, retreat? We're heading down to uh, back down to Soltara for the realness retreat round two um, at the end of March in 2020. Uh, we're doing five nights, six days, three ayahuasca ceremonies with our homies from the Shipibo tradition down in Peru, uh, and, and with the incredible retreat staff and facilitators mm-hmm. at Soltara, the best people, the best people out there, as Trump would say, they're bad. They're the best. They're fantastic. They're amazing. Ew. Impeccable. If people are going to quote Trump on my show, they're not going to be allowed back. I mean, just his embellishment. Even if you are my sexual partner. Oh, that's what I am? Uh, no, but it is. They are, my sexy they are, roommate. They are, uh, they are uh, I'm a Bernie supporter, by the way. Thank anybody God. out there questioning. But um, no, really, they are fantastic. Um, and, and one thing that's really cool about Soltara is that, one, you have these male and female, people healers from, from Peru doing their work that they've been doing since they were literally children. Uh, they start getting into the, into the plants when they're about 10 years old. Um, and, and then you have, you know, cause one thing is people talk about doing ayahuasca in the States, which is so interesting, but we have at Soltara, the healers that have been doing this for, you know, a couple decades, maybe two or three decades have been working with the plants. And then you have, in my experience from the, from the American shop, quote unquote shaman that I've seen, um, the facilitators who work with the healers at Soltara have as much, if not more experience with the plants than most American ayahuasca practitioners Mm -hmm. have under their belt. So you have just this, this abundance of experience in the room with you, which it creates an environment of, of safety and intention that allows you to go deeper than you would if you felt a little bit apprehensive. And that's the goal is when we get down there, it's a safe space. Um, there's not a whole lot to do besides just be in nature and, and, and go on hikes, go to the beach, do your thing and ceremony. It's built around ceremony. There's no auxiliary things that we can make happen. It's, it's, it's your time for your experience and, and the safety is, is paramount. And the, you know, aside from that, it's just a really fucking nice place. <laughs> it's so amazing. And we absolutely love being down there. We can't take wait to take about 20 people down. 
Um, if you guys want to get on the phone with us, that's the first step to going down to Soltara. So you can go to getherealness.com slash realness dash retreat and book a phone call with either Connor or myself and we can talk through any questions you have. Um, but it's, it's a really special place. And I think for so many people listening, um, this makes sense. Um, and if you're feeling called to the medicine, then we would love to support you in that journey. It's really, really amazing. Yes. Get the realness.com. There you go. All right. Well, that's it, babe. That's it. We We're got done. So many questions. Wow. I'm really proud. Good stuff. Yeah. Under an hour too. Congrats. Thanks for being on. We're very concise. <laughs> I'm working on that. <laughs> Say more uh, with less words, right? Yeah, exactly. Thanks for teaching me. Oh, of course. <laughs> hey, love you. Bye. Love you. Bye.